Welcome to Quanta Magazine's podcast. Each episode, we bring you stories about developments in science and mathematics. I'm Susan Vallett. In Raiders of the Lost Ark, Indiana Jones is on a quest to find a secret chamber that holds the legendary Ark of the Covenant. There's a trick to finding its exact location. The sun must shine through a special crystal in a certain room at a certain time of day, revealing a secret map. This is the stuff movies and myths are made of. The idea that essential information can be revealed when circumstances are just right. This idea also appears in mathematics, sometimes in unlikely settings. Three mathematicians have proven that when a certain type of randomness is tuned perfectly, intricate geometric shapes emerge in plain sight. It's similar to the map revealed on the floor in Indiana Jones. The shapes that emerge are checkerboard-like designs arranged at random across grids that are themselves constructed by a random process. You'd think this piling of randomness atop randomness would produce a mess. But as it turns out, in the same way that every snowflake is unique, but all snowflakes are snowflakes, the disorder converges to a universal form, provided that the conditions are just right. Everyone knows that mathematicians study shapes. Most of those shapes follow deterministic rules. If I give you instructions for constructing a sphere, you'll construct the exact same sphere every time. But mathematicians also study shapes constructed by random processes. Think about the shape created when you take a random walk, if you trace your meandering path. Besides the random walk, there are other kinds of random geometric objects. These include random two-dimensional surfaces, like a landscape filled with randomly pitched hills and valleys, and random maps in which random points are connected by lines. No two of these shapes are identical. Yet mathematicians have discovered that these random processes converge to certain canonical forms. For example, all random walks converge to the form of Brownian motion if you let the random process run long enough. To refresh your memory, Brownian motion is the zigzagging that happens when particles in a liquid or gas move and they're hit by other molecules. In recent years, mathematicians have identified the canonical forms of other random processes, and they've won some of the highest honors in the field as a result. The new proof is about understanding the deep properties of another random process. This process begins with the construction of a random surface. Here's Scott Sheffield, a mathematician at MIT. You just glue together these triangles and it makes a discrete random surface. The triangles are glued along their edges. You can fit them together in any fashion, as long as the final shape closes up like wrapping paper around a gift. That means no holes or openings, you bad wrappers. If you start with a specific number of triangles, you'll have lots of possibilities. A few of the triangulations will produce nearly smooth surfaces like that of a ball. But most will be much wilder, with extreme surfaces that resemble bulging mountain ranges. One thing to observe is indeed it does not look like you know, a regular sphere. It has, like, these big spikes. That's Olivier Bernardi, a mathematician at Brandeis University. Bernardi was co-author of the work, along with Nicolas Curion of Paris Sud University and Gregory Mirmont of École Normale Supérieure in Lyon, France. 
Mirmon and another mathematician, Jean-Francois Legault, established many of the properties of these random triangulations in earlier work. Bernardi says this new proof goes further by adding a second layer of randomness on top of the random triangulation. Let's look back at our glued triangles to add this additional randomness. Mark every place where the corners of the triangles meet with a point. This is what mathematicians call a vertex. Color each of the vertices white or black at random. You could do this by flipping a coin, but it doesn't have to be a fair coin. It could be weighted to produce more of one color than the other. Here's Bernardi again. So not only the colors will be random, but also the space will be random. So instead of having a regular lattice, you would have a random surface made of triangles. You don't take a surface and then put triangles on it. It's more like you take 1,000 triangles and consider all the ways to glue them together to create a surface. So that's going to give you a random surface. Once you've colored your vertices, you can ask various questions about the pattern you've created. One of the most basic is, can you move far across the surface by only traveling on black vertices? This process of moving along connected vertices of the same color is known as a percolation. If you've played checkers, you've used colored vertices to move your checkers across the board. The process provides a mathematical way to study the physical phenomenon of percolation, in which a fluid flows through a porous medium. Mathematician Scott Sheffield says percolation is a way of adding extra information. You could imagine assigning just a single point in space or a one-dimensional point or a two-dimensional vector. Or you can just imagine assigning each point one of two possible values, a zero or a one. That would be kind of the simplest sort of extra information you could add, is that you just put one of two colors or one of two numbers on every vertex or on every edge. And what we find is that there's kind of a whole framework of ways you can put extra information on your triangulation, and they're all related and the percolation is sort of the simplest one. If you're flipping a coin to choose a color, percolation will be easy or not, depending on the weight of the coin. If the coin is weighted heavily toward black vertices, percolation will be nearly guaranteed. If it favors white vertices, percolation will almost certainly be impossible. Bernardi, Curian, and Mirmon study the case in between these extremes, the tipping point in the weight of the coin, where percolation switches from almost impossible to nearly guaranteed. They refer to this point as the critical threshold. It's an example of a phase transition, like the magic moment when hot water suddenly becomes steam. Physicists are interested in phase transitions because many of the most important phenomena in nature occur on the cusp. Mathematicians are interested in phase transitions, too, because important mathematical features often emerge at precisely those points. Among those mathematicians is Scott Sheffield. Somehow, if you look at something like water, you could ask, well, what is water like at 50 degrees Fahrenheit? What's water like at 70 degrees Fahrenheit? What's water like at 500 degrees Fahrenheit? Well, you kind of know the answer for each of those things. But we know that when you're right at 212 degrees Fahrenheit, it's boiling. And it's bubbling and it's making these crazy patterns and bubbles are forming all over the surface of your pan and steam is popping out, but droplets are coming out of the steam at the same time. And it's this kind of wild and crazy behavior that's somehow very interesting. 
And when it's just a vapor, it's stable and subdued when it's a liquid or a gas. But right at this phase transition, it feels like it's calling out to be understood. The behavior seems a lot more chaotic and a lot more mixed and kind of long-range effects. In the recent paper, the three mathematicians prove that similar wild behaviors occur right at the percolation phase transition. They show that at the critical threshold, a unique geometric shape emerges. It's unique, but also universal. The first part of the paper determines how to weight a coin so that the coloring of the vertices sits on the threshold between percolation and no percolation. Confirming intuition, they proved that the critical value is a perfectly fair coin, one that gives a 50% chance for black and a 50% chance for white. Here's Bernardi. So what we proved is that there's this phase transition for the percolation model that allows us to identify the criticality of the percolation model. So that's the first part of the paper. So for instance, for this percolation model where we put the colors on the vertices, we prove that things like this critical behavior happens exactly at one half. So one half black, one half white. That's where the phase transition is for the model. You have this very interesting behavior exactly at the criticality, one half. The second part of the paper shows when you color vertices white or black using a fair coin, you'll end up with a good balance between clusters of black vertices and white ones. The clusters will grow around each other, like clumps of weeds vying for space in an overgrown garden, creating complicated geometric shapes that don't appear when the vertices are predominantly one color. Here's Scott Sheffield. Typically, when you play this game, that you know every edge, you toss a coin to see whether it's open or closed, and if you choose the right, they call the critical parameter, then what you'll find is that you have some big clusters, but the biggest clusters, they're not like everything. And they're not really tiny clusters. Because the underlying surface is chosen at random, and the process of coloring the vertices is random, the largest cluster on one surface will always be different from the largest cluster on another. But the mathematicians prove that across all surfaces and all possible ways of coloring the vertices on those surfaces, the largest clusters have traits in common. The first thing they prove is an exact probability distribution for the sizes of the largest black clusters across all surfaces. They establish that there's a certain intermediate size cluster that occurs most often. They also show that the frequency with which larger or smaller clusters appear decreases exponentially as you move away from that intermediate size. They prove that the largest clusters all scale to a single canonical form known as the stable map. The stable map is to those clusters as Brownian motion is to the random walk. This means that as you zoom out on individual clusters, so that each random step within a cluster becomes less prominent in the geometry of the overall shape, the clusters increasingly take on a common form. They're like snowflakes. They appear unique up close, but they're clearly all of a kind when you take a step back. The paper extends an understanding of random shapes and processes that has been building in mathematics in recent years. It also reveals that at the precise moment when a random system seems most chaotic, exquisite geometric order emerges. Carlstrom helped with this episode. I'm Susan Vallett. For more on this story, read Kevin Hartnett's full article, Random Surfaces Hide an Intricate Order, on our website, quantamagazine.org. 
Why is math the best way to make sense of the world? That's one of the questions answered in the Quanta book, The Prime Number Conspiracy, published by the MIT Press. Available now wherever you buy books or to listen to on Audible. <laughs>